Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are always with us. We never ask for you to be with us because you have promised that you are always there. But we especially feel your presence as we come into your house on your day with your people. We think of those that are watching online that cannot be here with us today. We think of those that were in the first two services. We think of our brothers and sisters at the upper room across the road here. And I especially pray for this group this morning that uh, the Holy Spirit will talk to us and speak to us and hear what you have to say to us today, Jesus. Uh, Amen. Amen. What Jesus wants you to know, Charlene, my favorite aunt, my only aunt, who sits in row one, seat one, every week, right down here, and I ask for permission to pick her out. Maxine, I'm glad you're here, friend of mine. We are going to talk here today about what Jesus wants you, you to know. Now, one thing we know in Florida, we know it's fall when the color of the license plates change. That's how we measure fall here. When the license plates start changing colors from that green and white, orange Florida plate, we know that fall has come and we love our snowbirds. So... What do you know? What do you know? Ron and I probably can remember when when you're young pastors and they throw you in a church and you're expected to know everything and you don't. I remember the first boarding school I was a principal at. I told the staff, I said, listen, you need to know that I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I don't know, so you've got to help me know. Well, Jesus wants us to know some things today. We're going to get there in a second. Jeopardy, you've heard of that show? You watch Jeopardy to find out what you know and what you don't know. I like to tape Jeopardy, watch Jeopardy, and then watch it with my wife and really impress her with uh, how I'm doing. I don't do that. I I can't do that. And then Wheel of Fortune follows usually, and I'm terrible at Wheel of Fortune. I like to watch it. And then I grew up when I was young, um, BTI, before the Internet, when you were sick and you had a school day and you stayed home, my mom would give me seven up, and I would sit down and watch The Price is Right with Bob Barker to see if they knew the prices of things. And let's make a deal with Monty Hall. I'm showing you how old I am. Maybe you remember this thing called encyclopedias. You remember those? And they actually went door to door, sold encyclopedias and said, if you want your child to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, you need a set of encyclopedias. And I remember my first class at Andrews undergrad, uh, Mark Gregazzi, Life and Teachings of Jesus, the first theological test that I went into with 45 minutes to go and five pages of answers, I had an anxiety attack. I had never experienced anything like that. And I knew this is my career, this is my calling. If I fail, what is going to happen? And then God humbled me in Greek. I was very humbled in Greek for two years. Um, and Dr. Uh, Leona Runnings humbled me in Hebrew in the seminary. 
And, but you know, it's interesting, what you know and what you don't know. I want to put a slide up on the, up here, a picture I found this week of Jesus walking on the beach with a young man. I want you to put yourself into the picture, imagine yourself into the picture. I have thought about this many times. Um, I wish I could walk on the beach with Jesus. And this week as I was thinking about the, less, the lesson, the, the sermon, I was thinking, Jesus, what would you tell me and what would you tell the congregation if we could individually walk on the beach with you? Can you feel the sun? Can you hear the water? Can you, the thing that I love in this picture, I want to feel his hand on my shoulder. I want to feel his hand on my shoulder. And we would walk and talk. I love that picture. Someday, when we get to heaven, I want my own planet. I want my own planet. I want a lot of beaches. I want every dog I've ever had, every cat I've ever had. I want my three kids there. I want my wife and family there. You may come with an invitation. But on that planet, there's going to be a lot of beaches, and I want to do a lot of this with Jesus one-on-one, -on -one, and it's going to be okay. There's no time there. There's no jealousy there. So he can spend as much time as he wants with you and with you, and then he'll come spend time with me, and he'll roll through. And we are going to be able to do this, but I want to preview that this today. Um, if I could only give one sermon, if this would be the last one, and I pray it's not, but... This is what I think Jesus would say to us walking on the beach and walking through life with us. The first thing he would say is, we'll put it up here, Steve, Charlene, Al, you're forgiven. I forgive you. I know everything you've done. I know everything you've thought. I know all the mistakes you've made. You're forgiven. It's okay. I pardon you. Don't worry about it. I read that in the Bible. I've studied it in seminary. I read devotional books about it, but I have to personalize it, and I have to be honest with you. In life, I struggle with, does God really forgive me for everything? And according to the words of Jesus, he does. Let's put our first scripture up here. We're not going deep theological today. We're going topical today. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Wow. We can have that assurance today by everything Jesus says in the Bible, what he says to you. Your sins are forgiven. So if we were on that beach Jesus would say, Steve, Al, Charlene, Dave, Jack, Sarah, just know your sins are taken care of. I've taken care of it. Whew, okay. Jesus wants us to live in the freedom of forgiveness. He wants us to live in the freedom of forgiveness. He said, my burden, my yoke is easy and light, okay? I did something crazy in second service. I didn't wear my jacket. 
I, know, I knew I could not get away with that in third service. But I'm going to do the other thing I did in second that's a little scary, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to recommend a movie to you. And relax, you can rent it or buy it and watch it at home. Some of you may have seen it. The movie is called Risen. The movie is called Risen. It is about the Roman centurion who is searching for Jesus after the crucifixion. Now, if you watch it with kids or maybe you don't like it, the first scenes are the crucifixion, which is pretty rough to watch, but you can fast forward through that. But after that, this Roman soldier is chasing Jesus and he finally catches up to him and they have a conversation at night on a rock where if you put yourself into the scene and you see the way Jesus is talking to him and you experience it, you say, man, I love Jesus if he loves me that much. So risen, check it out, uh, it's interesting. So number one, Jesus wants you to know that you're forgiven, to live in the freedom of forgiveness. Number two, Jesus wants you to know that you have a loving heavenly father. Now, I was really lucky to have a loving earthly father. Not everybody gets that, okay? I understand that. And I've heard a lot of stories from a lot of people, the rough things that they've had growing up with their father. I was lucky to have a very loving earthly father, and I could stand here for hours and tell you stories about him. But I have no doubt, and he passed away 17 years ago, 66 years of age from leukemia, right when he retired from the ministry. I've told this before. And he went to sleep in Jesus at 66. I have no doubt that my dad loved me. And Jesus wants you to have no doubt that your heavenly Father loves you. How do we know that? Let's go to the Bible, see what Jesus says. He says in John 14, 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father, and from now on you know him and have seen him. How is that, Jesus? Philip said, and there's always a Philip, there's always a Thomas, that we're humans, we ask questions. Lord, show us the Father, and then that'll be enough for us. And Jesus says, have I been with you so long? I wish I could get the tone. I can't get Jesus' tone. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Now, church, we have the role of showing Jesus to the world that's our role, to share the love of Jesus with the world. And when we share Jesus with the world, Jesus shares what kind of heavenly father we have. And he wants us to know we have a loving heavenly father. So if we take that we're forgiven and we have a loving heavenly father, that's a pretty good thing. That's a, Patricia, that's a pretty good thing. And I tell people this, and I've said this before up front here. Does God love you? Yes. Does he want you to be in heaven? Yes. Do you love him? Yes. Do you want to be in heaven? Yes. Does he forgive you? Yes. Have the assurance that he's going to take care of you. Your future is secure. So, Heavenly Father, forgiveness. The third one, do you guys ever cry? Anybody ever cry? 
I cried this week. My alternator went out on my car. (laughs) That red light, those cursed red lights, my alternator went out and I cried. Anyone have children? I have three adult children who I pray and cry for and think about, our grandchildren. We have pain, we have suffering, we have stress, we have fear, we have anxiety. We cry. Jesus sees our tears. What does he do with our tears? We look at our text. One of my favorites in the Bible, Psalm 56, 8. The psalmist says, you number my wanderings, you put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? It's hard to cry with people. It's hard to cry alone. It's hard to feel like that you're all by yourself. And many times we feel that and many times we are. But in reality, we are never alone. Jesus, God, collects our tears in his bottle. He sees when we cry. In fact, the Bible tells us, we know that text very well, Jesus wept. He feels, he cries, he hurts with us. So tears are the rain that we have on the path of life, but it's a part of living. It's normal, it's healthy, it's expected to have tears. You know, when I visit people as a pastor, and almost always people apologize for crying. I'm sorry I'm crying. I say, do not apologize. It's good. It's healthy. It's important. It's normal. So Jesus sees, he records, he remembers our tears. That's number three. Number four, saving for me the two best for last, number four is he's always with us. Always means always. You know, when he uses the word never will I leave you or forsake you, never means never, and always means always. He is always with you. That beach time with him, if we got to do that here on this earth, we would get to the end of the beach and he would have to leave. The disciples lived that. They were with him and then... He was gone. Can you imagine how that felt? You ever lost somebody, a relationship, a friend? Um, I had a really good friend just recently move away, gone, no more time together. Jesus wants you, you to know, he's always with you. Even when you feel alone, even when it looks like nothing's gonna work out, he's there. Now the big question I get is why do bad things happen to me when Jesus is with me? can't answer that. We'll have to, by faith, find out some days. Bad things happen because Jesus said, in this world you will have trials and tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So he wants you to know that he is always with you. So there's, there's probably somebody at home online watching by themselves. And I've picked up one thing in visiting too. I know this People who lose lose loved ones, and this applied to my mom too, when you become a widow, it's hard to go to church after going all your life to church 
with your significant other. And it's hard to see other families together. And it's, it, it, it's, it's hard. So there may be people at home watching that it's just too hard for them to get on the, out of the house. I want this to be a place that when they come, they get a hug, they feel welcome, they feel apart. But if they can't make it, we do not forget you out there. We pray for you, we think of you, and we love you. Okay, number five. This is my favorite. If you go to the beach and take one piece of sand, put it on the end of your finger. One piece of, one piece of sand. You look at all the sand on that beach and you think of all the sand that's in Florida and you think of all the sand that's in the Sahara and you think of all the sands in the world and each piece of sand is a year in heaven go through all that sand and when you get to the end Jesus says you know what let's do it again let's do it again a forever future I want to tell you I love the young church I love the young music I love the young energy I am not worried about the Christian church I'm not worried about the Adventist church it's God's church the young people will carry it forward but I'm gonna say this I am excited for the older church the senior church those who I visit who life has beat them up and they are alone and there's no one left and they still keep their faith that is awesome to me I go to encourage people and I usually leave encouraged I took communion to a man about a year ago and him and his wife were there and he knew he was gonna die he knew this was his last communion and he held the juice and he held the bread I said what does this mean to you he said it means I don't have to be afraid to die and that I'm going to do this with Jesus again someday in his kingdom. At the end of life, after being beat up, after trials, when you're all alone, and to still hold on to that, a forever future. When I was in Cicero as an intern, young pastor, I've told this before here, the funeral homes would call and say, we have people here who don't have a church, they don't have a pastor, can you come do a funeral? And that's challenging. And I never forget, I did a funeral for people that were not believers. A funeral for non-believers. So the prayer, the scripture, the, all that. In their heart, they were despondent because they felt they would never see that person again. Paul tells us, we are not like those who have no what? Hope. We have hope. We have this forever future. So we're walking on the beach. Jesus would tell me that, man, I could take that a long, long way. We've got a little time, so I'm going to take a sidetrack. I want to give you five things I've learned as a visitation pastor really quick from people. Here they go. People want to tell you their story. People want to tell you their story. Hospital visits, I do about 10, 15 minutes. Home visits, about an hour. There are some people that would tell their story for eight hours, and I wouldn't mind hearing it. And people have amazing, amazing stories. This is, again, the treasure of our older members. When they disappear, their stories disappear. But young, old, whatever, when you visit with people, and you all, I'm deputizing you all to be visitation people, visit people. When you visit people, they want to tell their stories. 
Number two, they want somebody just to listen to them. If you take the time to listen to people and show that you care, they're going to share. So people want to be listened to, and people want to know that somebody cares about them. I visited a guy a few weeks ago, no family, in a nursing home. Took him outside in his wheelchair just to get some sun and some breeze. He said, nobody comes to see me. I have no family left. I mean, just what can I say? I've got nothing to say. I'm just going to sit there, be with him, talk to him. People just want to know that someone cares. And I'll give you, my dad was a pastor. Jim, and here's a tip he gave me. He said, when you visit people in the hospital or their home and you go the first time, that doesn't count because you're supposed to go as the pastor. But if you go a second time, a third time, and a fourth time, you can't always do that in the hospital, but follow up, that's when you show that you really care. People want to know that someone cares. People want to be remembered. And finally, people want to have hope. So let's go back to our slide. I want you to carry that image home with you. I want you to think about it. I want you to try to remember one of the five things we talked about. But if you don't remember anything we talked about, remember the picture, remember that hand, remember Jesus saying to you, you are forgiven and you have a loving Heavenly Father and I see and feel your tears and I want you to know I'm always with you and you have a forever future so here's my pastoral challenge to you today church walk with Jesus Live the gospel. Walk with Jesus in all you do and with all you meet. Live your life. Walk with Jesus. Number two, talk with Jesus. Pray with him every day, many times. Not as a checklist, not as a requirement. Pray with him. And then also when you pray, listen for his still, small voice. I'm a talker. I meet a lot of people that love to talk. Believers talk to God a lot. He doesn't mind. But it's good to take some time to listen. Listen to Jesus. Claim his promises in the Bible. Pray. Read the Bible every day. When my dad died in 2002, I bought a New King James Version Bible, brand new, I had trouble sleeping at night. I'd get up. I'd go into my office at home. I marked that whole Bible in one year in the context of Jesus' promises toward my seeing my father again and life after this world, and I marked it up. It spoke. It just, wow. So when I go back to that Bible and see all the markings, it speaks to me. Claim those promises for you. And finally... My pastoral challenge is live in hope. Keep your hope. This politics stuff is going to go away. This world's going to go away. 
all the materialism and things are going to go away. Don't tell anybody, but church politics are going to go away. Um, all kinds of things are going to go away, and we are going to finally arrive to a haven of hope in heaven where we get to be with Jesus all the time, we get to be with our loved ones all the time, and walk with him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your people. May we be a caring people, a loving people. May we walk with you in all we do. Amen.